0: Our assigned scripture lesson for this Sunday, Baptism of Our Lord Sunday, Luke 3, 15 to 17, and 21 through 22. As the people were filled with expectation and were questioning in their hearts concerning John the Baptist, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, folks, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. There was a TV show that a lot of people loved. It's over and done with now. It's, it's, It's been around for a little while. It's called The Office. The Office is quirky humor, and that's the best way it can be described. Now, I watched most of the show. I can't say I liked it, but I watched it. And that quirky humor just didn't really resonate with me and yet I kept on watching it anyway. And there's one character in particular whose quirkiness really kind of helped define the whole premise of that show. And in a very, very funny quotable moment, this character says, sometimes I start a sentence and even I don't know where it's going. I appreciate that idea, this sensibility that sometimes we begin to talk about something and by the time we get done with it, we have no idea where things are going. Now, I'm guilty of this. I know I am. In fact, I joke around about it a lot. And with one, uh, one of my congregational people in particular, we always call these squirrel moments where we start talking about something and maybe we're telling a story and, and as we, the details are going and the story's going on and we get over here and pretty soon we've gotten to the point where we forgot why we started telling the story in the first place. I call these squirrel moments like because I get distracted like a dog. Like, squirrel! They're fun. They happen. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes in the form and the style in which I preach as I'm just kind of telling you these things and I don't have a bunch of notes in front of me or I haven't scripted it all out. There are times when I start here and I think I'm going there and I find myself over here. It's like, where is this going? Same type of deal is happening. Now, I bring all of this up because I can't help but think that the author of our gospel today, Luke, has a little bit of a squirrel moment as he's starting to tell a story and he kind of gets lost in it only to remember, oh, I had a point, and he has to come back to it. Baptism of our Lord Sunday. It should go without saying that the focus of this story, the focus of our gospel lesson for today, is going to be the baptism of Jesus. Now, we heard about it, but we also heard some other things that focused in not on Jesus, but on John the Baptist. It's possible, if you have tuned into these videos, or if you've been listening to the messages in recent weeks, that maybe part of this sounded kind of familiar. When we were back in Advent, back in in the early part of December, we actually had a portion of this passage that focused in on John and focused in on his ministry and his interaction with people as that was going on as the forerunner to Jesus. And we have this portion again. And we're talking about John. And we're talking about the people's reaction to John and how he's attracting crowds. But there's also some opposition And that there are some good things. But he's also pushing back against the powers that be. And maybe, just maybe, just maybe, the people are expecting. Maybe he's the long-awaited Messiah. We have this sense of expectation as they wonder, is this the person we've been waiting for? Now they ask John, are you the Messiah? Or at least we hear that in some of the other gospel accounts. We don't hear the question. We just hear that they're wondering if he's the Messiah. But John offers the correction because he knows who he is. And he knows what he's doing, and he also knows who he's not. I am not the Messiah. I baptize you with water, but one is coming after me who is more powerful than I am. I'm not worthy to untie the thawing of the sandals. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, when I think about this passage and that statement, it sounds almost kind of end timesy, doesn't it? Especially then, as he starts to talk about how his winnowing fork is in his hand and he's at the threshing floor and he's going to clear it off and he's going to gather the grain and he's going to burn up the, f- the the chaff and the fire, and we kind of think, oh, that seems kind of judgmental and strange and 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 end times and 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 what do we make of that? But all of this is going on, and the author of Luke is telling us these things, telling us this story. Now, I mentioned that we have that little gap. There's there's two or three verses that we skip over. And in that, this is the moment where I think the author is kind of following this bunny trail about John and how as he's pushing back against the powers that be, he actually squawks against a guy named Herod. And Herod's Herod's marriage, which is kind of a, of a touchy subject, and he land, he gets himself landed in jail because he's kind of crossing the wrong person. And eventually, we'll also learn that John the Baptist gets beheaded because of this whole situation. But that's what's going on. We hear the statements about that in that portion that we skipped over. So I can only imagine Luke is writing this stuff, writing about John the Baptist and his encounters and and what's going on and the corrections that he's offering about things. And oh yeah, and and he's also rebuking people who are in power and pushing back against the powers that be and it gets him arrested And, and, and he's in jail and we don't quite get to know what that. And then all of a sudden Luke has this squirrel moment when he realizes, oh wait, we're supposed to be talking about the baptism of Jesus. And so he comes back to that. And I can only think that he's got this big moment that he really wants to talk about. When the heavens are opened and the Holy Spirit is present and the voice of God, the creator, God the Father is booming out. You are my beloved son and you in whom I am well pleased. This amazing, amazing moment. But he remembers, well, we have to, have, we have to hear about the baptism of Jesus too. And is it just me or is this version of the baptism of Jesus almost seem like an afterthought? Like, there's all this stuff over here with John the Baptist and what's going on with him. And, oh, yeah, there's this amazing moment that happened around Jesus and his baptism. But, but let's just kind of gloss over it. Once all the people were baptized and Jesus was also baptized, this amazing thing happened. Squirrel, right? Maybe. I don't know. But it cer- certainly seems to strike me as that way. But I really, really appreciate that this is a big moment. Even if Luke gives us kind of a strange, strange little glossing over of the event itself, amazing things happen. Now, I mentioned this big moment. The baptism has already happened. And this is one of only two times in the scripture stories, in the gospel stories, when we hear all three members of the Holy Trinity, every person of God, are present in one way or another. We have the voice of God the Father present claiming Jesus, the son, you are my beloved son, and we have the Holy Spirit resting upon him in bodily form as a dove. So one of only a couple of times when the Holy Spirit shows up so somewhat physically. So all of this is a pretty big deal, and all of it happens here in the setting of baptism. But when I think about all of this, and I think about the amazing moment that is going on, I wonder if that little glossed-over side thought statement that Luke gives us about the baptism of Jesus actually reveals something big and huge and earth-shatteringly enormous to us, maybe without even saying so. In the other Gospels, This big moment of the voice of God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus being present, all of that seems to happen basically in the instant the baptism itself happens. John baptizes Jesus, lowering him down into the water of of the Jordan River. Now, Matthew's gospel tells us, it kind of makes it sound that as he's been baptized and as he's walking back up the bank coming out of the river, that's when the heavens are ripped open. Mark's gospel makes it sound like it's the instant his head starts to come back up out of the water. He's dipped below the water, and the second he comes back up, that's when all this happens. But Luke seems to paint it as an afterthought. And it's not only Jesus who has been baptized. Now, this is an important point that I want to I, I point out, I want to stress. When all the people had been baptized and Jesus had been baptized, the heavens were open. The Holy Spirit comes down, the voice of God lays this claim upon his beloved one. Now, interestingly enough, it's rather than calling him the beloved, although that's that's okay, a little bit closer translation to say, in this one I take delight. These are important steps because in this we see it was not just Jesus who was being baptized but it was Jesus and all of the people. And maybe, just maybe, we need to remember that. Maybe, just maybe, we're finding in this statement that the heaven is open not just for Jesus, but heaven is somehow opened for all of us. Because we share in this same identity as God's beloved one as one in whom God takes delight. That claim of God lies upon all of humanity, all of us, and we share in it as well. Now, baptism is a practice here in the church, it's one that we do, and we believe and we profess that the claim of God rests upon us in baptism, that the gift of the Holy Spirit comes upon us in baptism. The claim of God as beloved child happens in baptism, but I also believe that all of these things can and do happen outside of baptism. It is a good, wonderful thing that Jesus himself commands us to do, and yet it's offered freely to all of us regardless of if we are washed in the water or not. Now, I've talked in videos before about the tangible nature of baptism as a sacrament, as a time when the promises of God, which are offered to each one of us, are made tangible for us. And I fully believe that. And I fully believe the promises that come through that when we hear the voice of God spoken through the person who gives us the promise that you are named and claimed by God. But what do we do with that? How do we move forward from this sensibility, from this promise that has been made through all of us that the heavens are open and the Holy Spirit rests upon us and we too share in the claim of God as beloved child? Maybe with that, we look back to what John had talked about with what Jesus will accomplish. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And folks, I don't know quite what to make of that. But I think maybe we get just a little bit of a hint when we hear the next line. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor. Now, maybe you're familiar with the the concept and the practice of threshing wheat. Maybe you're not. I can't help but think it's kind of a lost art. And at least here in my part of the country, we don't do a lot of wheat. It's, It's somewhat foreign to us. But when you thresh wheat, you are separating the grain from the chaff. Now, we hear that God or Jesus or whoever is going to separate them will gather the, the grain into the barn or into the storage room or into the dwelling maybe we want to call it and the chaff he will burn. And when we think about that, I don't know about you, but I, I think oftentimes folks tend to think of that as a separation. Like the good people are going to be separated and drawn to God and the bad people will be burned in hell. Well, yeah, I don't think so. Because... On a wheat plant, the the organism, that's the word, (laughs) I almost said organization, but the organism, both are part of the same plant, the grain and the chaff. And so maybe, just maybe, when Jesus is going to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire, whatever that means, maybe that means that God will somehow claim that which is good about each of us, each of our existence, and draw that to God. And that which is undesirable, the brokenness that's a part of all of us, that will be burned away and will be no more. Now, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but that seems to be the promise of baptism, the promise of the claim that God places upon each of us. Full disclosure, as I'm recording this, later on today, I'm leading a funeral. And the scripture passage that the family has chosen for this funeral, I think is fitting for this Theme. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places, and I go to prepare a a place for you, and then I will come and, and bring you to where I am so that we will be together. I think that's the promise that is inherent in this passage. This reminder that it's not just Jesus who is baptized, and the heavens are opened and perhaps accessible to him but it's all the people and Jesus because we share in the same baptism that he does, the same claim of God who claims us as one in whom I take delight. May that be a sense of hope for you as we move into a new year, into a new season, into a new time with a lot of unknowns in the world. And I'm sure we all carry our expectations, whether our expectations will be accurate or not. May we find hope in the unknown, in the promise that God has made. You are mine.